Rowan Hayat, welcome to podcast. Thank you. It's great Happy to have to you here. I've been very excited to have you on the show because for the longest time I've been wanting to get somebody who would discuss with me, like a thought partner on the show, all the kind of cliche bullshit that's going on on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then randomly you showed up on my LinkedIn. This is the first time you and I meet. Yes, that is. Um, you had a fascinating post, which we'll pull up later on and talk about. Um, <clears throat> but it turns out, like you thrive in writing posts on LinkedIn <laughs> and calling out the system. And, uh, and I find that quite refreshing because LinkedIn has become a place that people don't really talk about it. They love to hate on Instagram and on Facebook. But LinkedIn has gotten a little bit more dangerous and toxic than most other social media. Like, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Um, I think like in the last year, LinkedIn changed a lot. And at the beginning, I loved the change, but then now I'm kind of like, okay, but where is this going? So um, last year, all of last year, whenever I, I open LinkedIn, all, I, all, all you see is people saying like, hey, I got this job, like I'm super awesome, you know, I have this big title now and I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, like just bragging about job titles, success, um, and some of them don't mean anything, you know, it's just like job titles. And um, that's where my first post actually came from. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, if, if you're not really following in the footsteps of uh, graduating, finding a great job and staying in that job for 10 years where you get promoted either within the same company or within the same industry, just jumping to a larger firm or another competitor, then basically you're nothing. Yeah. You know, you haven't made it in life. Just, you know, go cry in your corner and, you know, like just go pity yourself. That's right. And and the thing is, that's really not true because all of us who don't have that, uh, if you want, like standardized career path, we have a lot of things that we also have to offer, a lot of life experiences to share, a lot of things that we've done that maybe those other people didn't get the chance to do them. So I'm not saying we're more valuable or less valuable. It's just different. Right. And and this is mostly the narrative that I always like to channel in all of my posts. Like there's not one thing that works for everyone. Yeah. And and it's the same in your work as it is in your uh, personal life, as it in even in, in your gym, yeah. you know, like uh, in fitness journeys now, everyone tells you if you eat the same food, if you exercise the same, you know, that doesn't guarantee you're going to have the same body, right? And it's the same that this goes like if you copy paste this into a career or a personal life, it's exactly the same. Yeah. You and I can have the exact career path or study the same thing. But that does not mean like we're going to excel at the same job or, or, you know, have the same attributes or be good at the same things. And I actually love the way you put it. And when you're the, the post that actually showed up on my LinkedIn newsfeed that you had wrote, um, you, were, you were a second degree connection for me on LinkedIn. But one of my first degree connections commented on it. Yeah. And I, I loved how you put it. You said uh, there are different colors of green or different shades of green. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you were comparing freelance, uh, like working as a freelancer, which is glorified a lot these yeah. days. Yeah. Uh, versus full time employment, which you're back to now. Yeah. And, and yeah, I love the, the way you put it, which is like 
there are different colors. You didn't say the grass is always greener. You said there are different colors of green. Yeah. Is that deliberate? Like, yes, of yeah. course, because it's not always greener. Yeah. You know, because you're like, if you have a nine to five jobs and again, you open LinkedIn or you see or you know from your friends or connections, like, yeah, you know, I want to be my own boss. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to freelance. But you don't really know anything about that life. Mm. All you see, again, because LinkedIn is just another social media platform, you only see the highlights. No one's going to talk to you about about the days where they don't have clients, they're not sure how much money they're getting at the end of the month, you know, uh, just how hard it is to actually manage your time when you don't have someone telling you what to do. Yeah. Okay. And on the other end, uh, if you are someone who is a freelancer, who, um, you know, how you have imposter syndrome because you don't know if you're good enough. Every client that, uh, that talks to you, you feel like, okay, how much money am I charging him? Is it too much? Is it too little? I don't want to seem like I don't have enough experience. And you look at someone who keeps updating their job titles on LinkedIn and think, yeah, you know, the grass is greener on, on that side. My post was like, no, you know, it doesn't have to be greener. It's just the different shades of green. Yeah. Some, so a person might thrive in a corporate environment. They will maybe not do well as their own boss and vice versa. Yeah, Which 100%. is different people, you know. And you actually got to experience both lives. You worked yeah. as a freelancer. Um, you also worked as a full-time employee in your current job and I guess initially in your career. Yes, definitely. Um, so I really want to talk to you about that because, uh, you know, Let's let's talk about all the shades of green for both yeah. sides of of this uh, of these career choices. Um, so my first question to you is: What is Mafia Island? <laughs> and what is uh, what is it? Seed punch? Uh, sorry, button punch, punch. Punch needle. Punch needle. Punch needle. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Mafia Island is an island in Tanzania. Okay. So Zanzibar is like where everyone knows in Tanzania. Mafia Island is the other island no one knows about. Okay. Uh, it's still very not uh, touristic. You know, it's just a local community uh, that really lives there. Um, it's a great place. I went there for about uh, four weeks on a volunteer program last year uh, to volunteer with whale sharks. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, that's Mafia Island. Wait, so you volunteered with whale sharks? Yes. So you were doing volunteering work to, to like help the whale sharks there? Yes. Like yes. Elaborate a little bit? So, sure. So uh, <laughs> whale sharks are actually docile. They don't, like, you can swim right uh, along them and they don't do anything. They don't, they don't eat humans. They don't like us. Their throat is actually this big. So they, like... They don't come near you. They only eat uh, small fish and plant and so. Right. So, um, and they're, uh, they're like very um, not really studied as, yeah. as a species. So we don't know much about them. Uh, and because they don't hurt you, they get, you know, like uh, uh, hunted a lot. And uh, they were even, um, some people even consider them maybe as endangered or not. So, um, so the volunteer program is, uh, was mainly to uh, like, uh, do two things. Um, encourage um, if responsible marine encounters. So you, we get tourists who are coming to Mafia Island to swim with the whale sharks. We teach them how to do that properly without disturbing them in their natural habitat. Oh, so, cool. yeah, without actually touching, touching them or hurting them, you know, just, you can just swim along them and watch them do their own thing. And the other part of it is studying them. So um, whale sharks, interestingly enough, they have a pattern of like white dots on their body. Right. And their, their pattern is unique. It's like our fingerprint. Mm-hmm. So every single whale shark has a different pattern. 
So the way they identify them is we take pictures of the area next to their left fin, and we put them into a database that is worldwide to kind of like track all of the different whale sharks. Like gene, uh, how do you say it when you... Forget the term, like the human genome program. Anyway, maybe. Yeah, so like basically it's just to identify, you yeah. know, like this this uh, whale shark is now in Mafia Island. Okay, okay. Uh, if, I don't know, 10 years later someone uh, photographs it in Oman, we know that they actually travel, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. just sort of like keeping a, a d- database. Right. Of, uh, and we don't really know much. I can like spend this entire podcast. Genetic sequencing. That's uh, oh, yeah. Term. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can spend this entire two hours just telling you things about yeah. whale sharks because they're so interesting. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I was doing that for five weeks. It's, it's like an almost, this is why I love the podcast so much because you think you're going to talk about freelance and full-time careers and you find yourself doing National Geographic because people <laughs> are so rich with their experiences. As you said yes. at the beginning where they get to do these things and learn about these things that they would normally not learn or get to do um, or even explore explore the possibility of learning about when they're in a full-time job yeah um so that's one of the kind of advantages i guess that you've you yes. you even put in your post as um, yes exactly like your ability to travel take like time off have your own time do you know these wild experiences you know the thing is it's not like if you have a full-time job it doesn't stop you you can take a month off and go do that it's just i feel like you get into a general mindset that prevents you from finding those adventures when you are so focused uh, on your career, Yeah, you know? Uh, and I think this is part of the freelance world that um, that is an advantage. Yeah. Like, it, it, it forces you to get out of your box, yeah. to, like, explore your surroundings, to want to meet new people, to want to experience new things. And I think it just adds adds to, to the possibility of you making that happen. Yeah, and the mental capacity to even think about what you could want because a month is hardly enough between planning what you want to do, where you want to stay, your trip uh, route, and yeah. then before you know it, you're probably even taking some work calls on your full-time job of vacation course. anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I got to, much like yourself, I also worked as a freelancer for a while, happened to also become an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And today I have a company that actually staffs freelancers. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the things we do. We also do full-time executive search. So I'm quite fascinated with the freelance model. I, I actually, perhaps I have a bit of a bias, have a preference for people who can be freelancers um, because of how I got to experience this horizontal, heterogeneous um, degree of interest across different things. Like even this podcast is something that I got, you know, I'm doing probably because I have the ability to manage my time and, yeah. and, and have the mental capacity. And, and that's just one of the things that I got to do. So, um, but I understand how like, the gra- as you said, the, the, there are different colors of green. Um, so here you are now with a full-time job with, uh, what's the name of the startup you're working for? Zbouni. Zbouni. Yeah. And now you're having some pros and cons as well, I imagine. You're losing some of the freelance fun stuff at the freelance yeah. side, but you're enjoying full-time. I'm, I'm really enjoying working in an, an environment that really um, allows you to grow is there for your empowerment and growth and they want to see you succeed so they equip you mm-hmm. with that um i love working with a with a team again you know going yeah. to the office seeing people um and i said also in my post that you know this um interaction that you have with the different people the different departments it really gives you a perspective that you don't really get when you're just working on freelance, like on a free, a freelance basis yeah. or 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 on your own. Um, and 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 the thing is, um, it might make sense for me right now at this moment in my career 
But maybe, you know, it doesn't for you anymore because you've been there. Yeah. Right? So this is, again, about you know, having different paths, different timelines. I consider what you're it looking, every now and then. Yeah, yeah. like you know, what you're looking for. Um, so there's no one formula. I want to go back to the fact that you're very outspoken and vocal on LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, you don't hold back. You drop F-bombs. <laughs> you probably trigger some people in your posts, I imagine. But that's why I like it. I like what I enjoyed watching your content or coming across it. Because it's different than what everybody else is posting on LinkedIn. Like, and I have a problem with, with LinkedIn in general, like a love-hate relationship, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, I wanted to ask you if like, so because some of your posts are probably like, they're triggering some people, like especially those who are fitting into the cliche, uh, kind of the, the, the same shit that, that, that keeps getting regurgitated on, on LinkedIn, you know, from one yeah. post to another. So do you, does anybody ever come to you and be like, um, excuse me, like, you know, your, your, your post, you know, I didn't like it or something. You know something, surprisingly, never. Yeah. Surprisingly, I've never had one. I have different opinions yeah. on, on the comments. Like not everyone agrees with what I say, but surprisingly, I've never had a bad comment like someone who was being rude or someone who was being mean. I mean, I don't know on on like the the post that went viral because there's like I Which don't know the my first post. Okay. Uh, because there's the so kick, many kickboxing comments. one. No, oh. um, I wrote that last year on my birthday in September. Okay. That actually went viral on three different accounts. Mm -hmm. So mine then. Uh, supportwomen.com uh, picked it up and then the female lead again. Okay. Um, so um, that was about your CV does not define you. Oh, okay. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, going back to your question, um, I've never had any bad comment. People disagree with a lot with what I'm saying, but uh, it's always like a very uh, decent conversation of just ex exchanging another point of view, which I, I don't know if I'm lucky. I don't know if it's the way I write my post, but like I, I haven't been offended in my comments or. So one post that I particularly loved, I actually cracked up when I saw it and I thought maybe it would have triggered some people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see which one I'm looking at, right? Yeah, yeah. So for anybody listening, um, Rowan shared uh, an image. Uh, she captioned it, happy Tuesday to everyone, everyone except people who keep repeating this fake post. And the post is a picture of somebody saying, we hired somebody with zero experience. We thought he would be a great fit with our culture. So we took a chance. He has been promoted twice. Sometimes people just need a chance. Agree? And I get it, right? It's such a like... You know how many times I've seen this, I've seen this post? Yeah. Like copy, <laughs> copy pasted word per word. Yeah. Like it's always zero experience in capital. Yeah. It's always they've been promoted twice. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and it's not the first time I talk about this. Like I, in another post, I'm like, can we please know who they are? Yeah. Because we'd like to congratulate them. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So just tag them. <laughs> Tag the like tag the person That's that so you funny. have hired with zero experience. Yeah, I mean, because I would really these are like icons. To, yeah, because yeah. you know, yeah. and and why is it like such a? I don't know. Like it's like landing on the moon, hiring someone with zero experience. Everyone graduates with zero experience. Right. What are you expecting? Yeah. What yeah, are yeah. you expecting from people? Yeah. I mean, it's either that. Or, like, it's also a little bit of an unlikely situation that, uh, I mean, uh, unless you're hiring an undergraduate, somebody without any experience, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But then if you're going to hire, let's say, somebody that's in their mid-age, mid and for whatever reason, they don't have any experience, 
for whatever reason didn't yeah. work you know that's also not gonna like that's also a little bit unlikely i mean that's also i i found it to be a little bit of an unreasonable uh, outcome if you're if you're if, if the post is referring to somebody that is a mid-level hire or you i know. don't think anyone has zero experience yeah i mean if you exactly if right. you've never worked any day in your life yeah. if you just sat at home and you you survived yeah. you have some sort of experience of how you did that yeah, yeah, you yeah. had to like manage your financials you had to keep yourself afloat you you know what i mean like you have to have some kind of experience maybe not a cv defining experience but saying that you know you're hiring someone with zero experience i'm sure that they're talking here about undergrads i guess right so. yeah. but even nowadays Undergrads have some experience. They do internships. They right. travel around. You know, they they, yeah. they they take courses that I wish were there when I was in college. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. so no. So, what are you trying to say exactly with that post? Right? Like, I mean, not you. Whoever is posting that thing. What are you? What is the message they're trying to put Nothing. out? Nothing. They just it's want just likes. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. They right? just want like yeah, this Engagement. is my problem with yeah. LinkedIn today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone just. Posting anything, like they find yeah. a post and I've, I see it on my page a lot and I wish I can call out every person that does that. Yeah. So I see a post, it has like, I don't know, uh, 20,000 likes. Yeah. I scroll down, I see the same post copy pasted by another person yeah. who's trying to also like gather the same kind because they see that this kind of content resonates. And, and this is a problem because it's becoming repetitive. It's becoming uh, very bullshitty, right? right? And fake. Yeah. And and I understand everyone wants the exposure. You know, actually, uh, today I was about to write a post that said, is everybody an influencer today? Yeah. Uh, and and the answer is yes and no at the same time. Yeah. Yes, because actually, no, let's start with no. Because if you have something to say and you have an opinion about something, that doesn't make you an influencer. It's just you have an opinion and people resonated with that, sure. which is great. You yeah. know, I'm all for people writing something that they truly feel and experience that they truly had. And if enough people resonates with that, I mean, I love the fact that we are trying to become more human. You know, we're talking about things that we never used to talk to before because they were considered taboo, like mental health, like uh, diversity, like uh, uh, inclusivity, like being more, you know. Um, and you have a lot of people on LinkedIn who are champions of things, uh, of these things, and I love their content. But but then again, everybody wants to be an influencer. Why? Because this is what gets you exposure, and I don't blame them. Mm. You, you see these people whose posts are going viral, they get opportunities that other people don't get anymore because they are the ones that are being more seen by recruiters, that are seen by other members of like C-levels. So everybody wants to get into that. They want their five minutes of fame because they it, need that. It helps their employment it, opportunities, yes, you think? It, yeah, it helps yeah. them progress one way or another. Interesting. Right? I would think it's it's a lot of the same stuff you see on Instagram on Facebook is that it's just social, you know, validation and that gratification of getting engagement. Like a lot of those people are probably just looking for likes and shares regardless of what it would actually lead to. Um but what actually makes LinkedIn much worse than those other social media in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch the social dilemma on Netflix, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you hear people always talk about uh you know, how dangerous social media has gotten and influencers and everybody's creating a fake version of their life or an incomplete version of their lives. Yeah. And then everybody else is looking at you having your vegan meal and some vacation island, whatever. Um, 
And obviously that's not good because it gives a fake image of people's lives. So, so we've all been, you know, this topic has been discussed a lot. Yeah, I agree. But every time people refer to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, nobody talks about LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I have a real love-hate relationship with LinkedIn. I love it for the obvious reasons. You know, it's great for on the job. It's great to um, apply for a job uh, or, or look for a job. Um, and to also, you know, share the successes of your career and your, or your company. Because um, for all these things are, are good and important. What, what ends up happening is everybody's posting proud to have joined this company i want to celebrate that i sold my company uh, honored to have gotten into this partnership it's all positive news so if somebody just lost their job or having a career crisis and they're scrolling through linkedin this is gonna like hit them hard uh, much worse than it would hit them if they wa- if they were scrolling through facebook and they saw somebody at a vacation or anything because people associate their ident- their identities with the jobs that they do which is wrong because that's mm-hmm. what you said with your post as well about how you're, you're, you're not your CV. Or, yeah, your you know, CV does not define you. Your CV, exactly. Your CV does not define you. Your job uh, or what you've done to make an income does not define who you are. But for a lot of people, it does. And so when you suddenly go on LinkedIn and you see all your friends making money, changing jobs, getting promoted, selling companies, um, and you're just not going through a good time at this point, you're miserable at your job, it's probably much more toxic and painful and, and than any of those other social media, media or social networks uh, get, uh, are uh, being. And so... But nobody talks about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is not seen as a social media or a social network. It's supposed to be a job finding, job hunting uh, platform. Because it wasn't. It wasn't initially, right? Like six years ago, it became this thing that's a news feed with similar to Instagram yeah, and Facebook. Yeah, I feel not even like, not even six years. Like six years ago, maybe yeah, people just posting about their jobs. But I feel for the past a year, maybe, you've seen people open up about different aspects of their lives yeah. on, on, on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I feel like LinkedIn as a platform itself is trying to do that shift, right? They're trying to endorse people. They're trying to endorse creators to kind of shift the um, the narrative on the platform from being just like uh, your LinkedIn profile is just another CV and you just do like business, like to to bring in the more human factor into like the business transactions. Right, which is a good yeah. thing as well. It comes with its pr- its uh, pros and cons. Yes, 100%. That even if you look at LinkedIn's like uh, the reactions that you can put in a LinkedIn post, they're mm-hmm. all positive. Like it's yeah. like, clap, celebrate, curious. Like there's nothing there that's angry. And I'm not saying that's the right, these guys probably did a lot of R&D on how they should design their product and all yeah. these things. But it's like, it's clearly part of the system that this is a place to celebrate, to enjoy your successes. And even if anybody's going to go and be negative on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and open up, open up, right? Uh, quote unquote, it's always a loaded negative message. Like kind of like what you just, what we just looked at right now. Like this is meant to be like a, almost like the, 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 the post that shows that these guys are unique, unlike everybody else. But then it's, even that is loaded because it's full of crap, obviously. Um, so but basically, it's just an in, a very disingenuous platform. And the platform itself is fine. There's nothing wrong with LinkedIn or Microsoft yeah. owning it. It's just the usage of it, right? Just like with every other social media. And if anything, they don't have advertising uh, as a revenue model like Facebook and Instagram and the other ones do. So they're not necessarily um, incentivized to create engagement and traction. Like that's not part of their business model, right? I think they still make most of their money from uh, subscriptions to recruiters and that stuff. But it's amazing that when you start to see people show off their lives on a personal level on Facebook and Instagram and they do the same with their careers on, on LinkedIn, mm. um, it's a dangerous world. Like, you know, it's, it can be a very depressing thing to open your LinkedIn if you're going through a hard time in your career. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I, I actually like the fact that there is no negative buttons on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah? 
Because I feel like people are very cruel, you know, in general. We as a human race, we're cruel people. And I True. feel like uh, if you go on a lot of uh, the viral posts, if you see the amount of negative comments that are there, like you're like, man, chill. You know, yeah. this person is living their life and it has nothing to do with you. Like, why are you so triggered and upset by how this person is choosing to live their life? Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, we don't really need more negativity. Mm. We don't really need to see like, uh, and, and, you know, every person that actually ta- takes the time and write a, writes a post and posts it on LinkedIn, it takes a lot of courage to hit that button, sure. the post button. Yeah. Because no matter how much you say that you don't care, the, you, you know, we do live for the validation that comes from other people liking what we're saying yeah. or resonating with it. And what, what do you do if a post doesn't get enough likes? Do you delete it? Like what if you get uh, um, you know, lots of hate, hateful comments on that post? It destroys you yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. I agree with you that we could all live with a little bit of less negativity and mm-hmm. trolls, um, especially that LinkedIn also has like verified identities for the most part. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, not, that's definitely a good thing. Um, but at the same time, it does create a very an overly positive environment that mm. is that is you can't really tell um, who's really disagreeing with a certain post or a certain. I mean, it's not that they disagree, but it does eliminate a little bit the the genuine or honest conversation that you would normally have. Had it, but, but it's a trade off, right? It's a, yeah. we might be going into a tangent of product UI UX considerations here. <laughs> um, but I always wonder, like uh, you know, the, is this the kind of conversation that they have in the product department of LinkedIn? Like, how much should we allow people to to be honest with each other? I don't know. We can ask them. <laughs> we could ask them. I want. I'm hoping to get Lean Shuman. You know who Lean Shuman is? Oh uh, no. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, she went to AB as well, like the two of us did. Mm-hmm. And she's at the, she's the community head of community for the Middle East, I think. And she's oh. a good, an old friend as well. Okay, nice. So yeah, a lot of questions for Lynn. Yeah. And if you're watching, you're next. <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, so actually, speaking of the fact that we went to AB, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know you studied economics in your undergrad. And you did Islamic studies for graduate, uh, for your master's. Yes, one of them. I'm very curious to ask. Uh, I mean, it's a fascinating topic, uh, if, if only intellectually, if nothing else. Yes. So what drove you to, to decide to study intellect, uh, Islamic studies? Um, well, whatever drives me to study anything, honestly. Um, my first degree, which was economics, it was like, uh, you know, like it came with the territory. I was uh, studying in uh, IC. I was doing the French back. I was also doing economics. Uh, and I was just applied to UB and, and went with the degree. But uh, midway through, when I was doing an internship in London, I... I I, w- I was like, yeah, there's no way I, I want to live that life. I can't, you know, I yeah. can't just sit in front of the computer all day crunching numbers. That's not part of my personality. That's not who I am. And I'm just going to finish that degree and then do go do something I love. And I think like any 20 year old, what I loved at the time was fashion. So I went to London and I got uh, a fashion degree uh, diploma, a fashion design diploma, sorry. Um, I stayed one year there, and then I moved back to Beirut, uh, where I started working for a fashion magazine. Uh, and then my, I moved to Dubai, where I worked for another fashion magazine. And um, for for personal reasons, I had to move back to, to Lebanon. 
And when I moved back, uh, it was amidst the Syrian crisis and we had the influx of refugees. So I started working with UNHCR. I worked with them for two years as part of their regional uh, comms team. Um, UNHCR stands for the United Nations. Um, um, higher, uh, what is it, UN? Uh, so yeah, higher... Uh, children, uh, refugees. No, refugees. Okay, we'll look a it up after. commissioner of, of refugees, something like that. All right, sorry, keep going H-C-R. until I look it up. So UNHCR. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a Jamie like Joe Rogan does, <laughs> so I have to do my own research, UNHCR. Okay, sorry, continue yeah. until I look it up. Yeah. Um, so, and I've always been uh, fascinated by, by the topic of um, Islam in terms of like a history, civilization point of view. Um, I really... Uh, and it was like, you know, at the time of ISIS and all of these things. And I really wanted to get an in-depth look. And and I was uh, really interested in teaching at that time as mm-hmm. well. So I wanted to actually do a master's, continue to a PhD and teach uh, at a university level. Mm-hmm. So I went back to uni. I did my uh, master's degree. And then uh, I moved back here for the second time. Uh, where I taught Islamic civilization at two universities for about two semesters. And um, um, and then I went back to Lebanon for another personal reason. Um, and I started working like uh, full-time uh, at AUB. Okay. And then here I am. Um, so why did you choose to, to, to specialize in Islamic studies specifically? Okay, because um, I was always fascinated by the topic. I always had, like, I used to read a lot of history about it. Um, I used to have a lot of discussions, you know, uh, with my uncle, actually, with my mom. With It was something that always fascinated me. And, um, you know, for you to be full-on committed to doing a master's and then a PhD, you need to be really interested in, in, in the topic material. Yeah. And I thought that I would I would be, you know. So, so and, and I was... Again, like it was the time where ISIS was uh, resurfacing or surfaced for the first time, actually. And it got me really interested because I really wanted to know where is all of this coming from, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's just a fascinating topic to study from a historical perspective, mm-hmm. from an intellectual perspective. Uh, so, you know, I just caught my attention. I, uh, you know, it's, it's a unique uh, area to specialize in. So I just wanted to ask you about it yeah. real quick. Um, one of the. Um, one of the things that you had uh, posted about, and, and, and I th- you, you mentioned you also got, I think one of that posts viral was empowerment of women. Uh, mm-hmm. You had a, a video of yourself kickboxing. Yes. Great video, great post. Um, so I wanted, to, I, I should love to ask that question to a lot of uh, my female guests on the show. Mm-hmm. To what extent, and I'm specifically referring to our socioeconomic kind of group of people here, those of us who are progressives, studied abroad maybe worked yeah. you know we're not like we let's say let's just call ourselves progressive to what extent do you find that women are still uh victims of some sort of prejudice oh god yeah i mean honestly i'm genuinely asking uh, yeah. by the way i have three sisters all who work uh, all yeah, with very yeah, successful yeah. husbands but they all work and i have a mother who's seven years old still works doesn't have to but still works and does very well for herself mm-hmm. so i'm constantly curious to understand um, if women are facing a disadvantage um, in the business, especially in their careers, because of the fact that they're women, mm. um, from your own experience, um, what is your opinion? Look, I think this is like a very um, <clears throat> like charged topic because you don't really know where to start. 
for me to explain to you or any uh, like for any woman to properly explain this as a man and i promise you probably 95% of women won't be able to because they don't know it themselves mm-hmm. they don't really know the amount of um pressure prejudice discrimination uh, that they face and they faced all of their lives on a daily basis so much that it becomes normalized and rooted in them they don't see it anymore they don't perceive it so you know me i don't know your sisters but like 98% of females in our society had to fight for every single thing that they've had in their life and i'll start from the very simple things staying out late going out with her friends alone um i don't know maybe owning even a cell phone at a certain age traveling with her friends deciding which university to go to um tra- like travel that comes even later but you know i'm i'm just talking about the basic things yeah. maybe owning your own car driving past 8 a.m. all of these different things that so you true. that you have to fight to get them yeah. because most of our parents our fathers uh our mothers they 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 see them as you know like no what are you doing you know like brothers uh, too yeah, yeah but yeah cuz cuz my brother can stay out until 3 a.m. but i have to be home by 9 right because he's a man my brothers they can go study wherever they want because they're men i'm i'm not allowed so you, you struggled know? with that on a, on a certain level i did but like my parents are Open-minded. extremely progressive and open-minded compared to other parents but yeah. still you, i we, we all still face that right uh yeah my father at the beginning had a hard time accepting that i want to stay out late that i want to travel like one of the reasons why i i chose aub was because i didn't want to even go uh, you know through that discussion with sorry with my father studying abroad you mean yes at right. that age yeah. and but then i went again when i was 2021 20, i did my mas- my first masters in london but on an undergrad level and i i didn't even have that conversation because i knew like you know maybe i i'm fine where i am it's okay but if you take me back maybe now to 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 the, when i was 17 and what i really wanted to do in my life when i was even younger maybe everything i wanted to do i like I would have achieved, I think I would have lived a completely different life had I went and studied abroad when I was 17. Maybe yes, maybe no, but you know, like this is the the untaken path. And that's you who actually had a relative advantage compared to potentially other women. Yes, I had an extremely, like my life is very, uh, I I can, uh, today I can talk to my parents about anything and everything. Like the life that I have lived, I've probably maybe not even 5% of females in the region can say that they had the chance to live that life. But again, we're so conditioned... I see what you mean, yeah. ...that a lot of people don't even see it. So it and starts from a young age, even... Like, yeah. so, I see, so you're saying that you know, we, we, we look at the careers that women have and the disadvantages, the prejudices, the, the, the biases, and these don't start there. They start at a much younger age where you already accept that you're disadvantaged compared to your brother or other men. How is, that, many, is that what you're saying? How many girls in college, I don't even want to go younger, hmm. uh, you tell them what you want to be in life, they tell you, I want to be a CEO or a CFO or a COO. Not a lot. Not yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know why? They don't even think about it. Because why? Because, you know, eventually you're going to get married. 
you're going to have a husband. And of course, you need to work because you need to be productive. But like your career will always come second to your husband. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and tell me how many men in the region will actually accept a woman who is more successful than they are, who makes more money than, perspective, than, the than they make. Because yeah. you have kids also. No, but I mean, like, you, I've, I've been following this topic closely, and I, I keep referencing this. I've, this might be the third time I reference it on, on the show. Um, do you know a show called uh, Explained on Netflix? Uh, no. So Explained is this documentary series on Netflix that discusses different topics, and one of them is the gender pay gap. Mm-hmm. And so they go over all the different, instead of kind of American, progressive, probably a leftist show, so they don't leave a stone unturned. And they definitely try to make sure that they cover everything that leads to um, a gender pay gap. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I remember this particular episode correctly, and I I encourage anybody to watch it, um, anyway, the show goes on to conclude that a lot of the reasons why women are, they have a setback in their career compared to their peer men is because the natural um, take care of the family, take care of the kids, take care of the house, responsibility falls on them and not on their men because of the conditioning or the society. But what I think this show does not capture enough of, and I think you touched on a very interesting point, is that it starts at a much younger age. Of course. So your expectations as a woman on what can I achieve in my career is limited to, well, get a job, but that's it. There is yeah. no become a CEO no. in this narrative. There's a lot of emphasis on you got to get educated because you got to have to be able to support yourself one day, get, if, whether you're married or not. So there's always that kind of narrative that you need to be able to get a job. Yeah. But that's it. Like the, 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 and we're not going to say be a CEO here, mm-hmm. but just be, you know, study so you can have a job one day. Yeah. But you're right. And this is true in Lebanon and also in Jordan where I come from. And I also studied in Lebanon. But like if you're a woman and you can just get a good paying job, that's as good as it gets. Like yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfect for your husband. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know exactly because because then you you will be able to like uh, sustain yourself, uh, maybe help out uh, in the ho- like household income, maybe not depending on how much money he's making, but also not have a too demanding job that will uh, where you need to stay past six p.m. You know where you need to travel on business trips. And, and leave the kids and, you know, do all of the things that actually is required from you to be in a position where you have a stellar, astonishing career. Yeah, fair enough. So so your career is great and you need, because also like, this is another one of my posts is like, how do we handle moms, right? What What is what is our perceptions of, of, of moms? You need to be a working mom, but don't be too much of a working mom. Right, like be a working mom without actually talking about how hard it is to juggle your career and your kids oh, and I your family. That. I love that. Yeah, because yeah. because because no one really wants to hear that you need you need to take your um, lunch break hour to go pump or go breastfeed your your child and come back to work. Yeah, okay? it, it, it almost seems like you, the, these women are getting an advantage for showing that off, but it doesn't actually. Is what you're saying? I mean, like we we want. All women to be moms, and we want them to be working moms, but we don't want to talk about how demanding it is to actually yeah. be a working mom and how much the working environment does not allow you to be a working mom. Because it doesn't help other, it doesn't other mothers. Help you. It amazing. doesn't help you be a working mom. It doesn't help you. And also, this comes from the entire work environment. I have a lot of friends who are working moms. And I know, like, one of my friends, she gave birth uh, recently and she got back to work. She needs to leave at four, let's say. Okay, she signs off at four to go pick up her kid. She goes back home. 
And during that time, you know, like that one hour gap where she's picking up her kid from nursery and going back home, if she receives any emails that there are other men CC'd on that email, they reply instantly to take the lead on that, to kind of like disregard that she exists just because she signed off for two hours to, to go take care of the kids. So it's reinfor- reinforcing the, 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 the stereotype. Almost, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, and at the same time, we look at stay-at-home moms in a negative light as well. So they don't win either way. If you are a mom, you don't win. If you are a working mom, you don't get uh, the proper support to be a good working mom. And then you also get like, if, if, you, if you excel at your career, you're often labeled as someone who's leaving her family. You know, you don't have time for your kids. No, no, no. We give all of that negative connotation. But then again, if you choose to be a stay-at-home mom, you also get this negative community. Oh, what do you do? You're a stay-at-home mom. Oh, you know, like you're not doing enough. Listen, I love this because what you're, <laughs> you're saying is there are challenges. There is a history. There is a preconception. There's a stereotype. You're not going to do anybody any favors, including yourself, if you're going to highlight these um, disadvantages or challenges. So you might as well just show that these are not going to be a problem. Work through them. Succeed because we can succeed as women, uh, or, you know. And and and, the, and if you don't highlight the disadvantages, that actually will only reinforce to the you know those around you who might use them against you. You might as well become successful without anybody being able to... Is that, is that what no, you're saying? I'm saying yeah. we need to highlight these. Okay, sorry. I'm yeah. saying we need to shed the light on them and okay. we need to highlight them because everybody needs to know how hard it is to be a working mom. Okay. And we need to stop enforcing this narrative of a superwoman or a super mom that is able to do it all you know because at the end of the day it's only be, like everyone's benefiting from that except her yeah. because no one's really taking into consideration that uh, this person is handling a, a, a job like a man is doing plus the yeah. household plus the kids while not saying a word about it so they because should, she's yeah. not allowed to nag or she's not allowed to highlight these things and I think like all working environments should give the woman um, the ability to be excellent at both. They should give a new mom the leeway to be good at her career, but also be there for her children that are still growing up. Yeah, It, we, it doesn't have to be one or like either or. Yeah, but that, that's so employers and businesses should allow for that i agree with you but what's the perception what what's the message that should be put out by mothers and working mothers and working women like what's the in your opinion what would encourage that equality to be achieved and that um, prejudice to disappear faster what would be the most sorry i might be a little bit confused here because um you're saying that women who are mothers should highlight the fact that they're able to achieve their jobs as mothers Yes. They should they should mention that I'm a mother and I'm also able to do my job just as well as a man, right? So yeah, that should be front and center. I, no, I think like there are two points here. Yeah. There are two points here that we expect so okay. So if you're not a superwoman, mm-hmm. you're not succeeding, which is not the case. Okay, I see what you which mean. Which is not the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Being a superwoman is is draining for that mom. You know, it's like uh, 
debilitating for her on so many so many different uh, for so many different reasons that's a very high expectation yes yeah. yes and, and no one can carry those expectations but we expect okay you know what you want equal pay then you know like go be that superwoman when at the same time we don't expect the dads to do the same yeah uh, you know like okay true. he's working yeah don't bother him he's at work right but he should also like i'm saying that men and women should hold the same kind of burden when they are parents okay well that's the, that i agree with you 100% on that one for sure they yeah. they should hold the same kind of burden if we want to see more women succeed and reach ceo levels and coo levels and break uh, the glass ceiling and do more it doesn't come just from like okay we talk about an equal pay we have to provide an equal opportunity for them to get there 100% i'm all up for equal opportunity by the way yeah. so so let's for the sake of the example um take those situations and countries and couples where equality is endorsed by the man and the woman and the employer and the company i'm wondering if in such progressive such advanced and open minded and and, and kind of com- companies or societies Is there still, even beyond that, a prejudice against women? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like like competency competency related, like like uh, yeah. like. Uh, I've I've had it happen to me many times. Yeah, because you're not a mother, right? No, I'm not a mother. So okay, let's talk about yeah. that example. What if you're not a mother as a just a single woman? Do you feel like there is a disadvantage just of because course. you're okay? That's you, what I'm. If you're sitting in a boardroom and you say something, people don't take you seriously. Wow. They don't listen. And you're like a strong woman, yeah. clearly, and you and, know, and, like and, and I have a lot of friends. and i have a lot of friends who are who work in the consulting world who all face that problem the men in the industry they don't take you seriously like you're in the boardroom you're saying something they either they interrupt you to speak over you either they disregard what you say and then 30 minutes later another man in the room says the exact same thing and then he's praised for it you know oh, okay. so it's like you don't exist it's like what you say doesn't really matter and, and, until like you enforce it time and again and again and again and again more than a guy would need to more th- much more than a guy would need to much more so what would would be in your opinion what would help solve that Cause that's obviously messed up right that's yeah. not that's not good is this the kind of thing where you know you have different people saying men should start to stand up for women more not like in a in a, in a like not <laughs> i was going to say will smith punching <laughs> people um but like i mean um do, sh- Is this the kind of thing? Like, how do we? How does? How do we establish a level ground here? And 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 for the sake of the example, let's take the mothers out of mm, the, the discussion. Like yeah, just a single men, single women in a work in a board meeting. What would be required? Do you think in order to change the perception of the collective perception so that women are not seen as pushovers and, and talked over? You know, and uh, is this the kind of thing where men need to do more, or is it the kind of thing that women hopefully can all like agree that this is a certain? collective attitude that they need to also do in order to change that perception or is it something that like or is it much more complicated than a simple one two three that's what you got to do and you solve the problem you, i don't know if you've given this a thought you know um, i think it's it's a little bit of everything okay i think um, men need to be okay so the same way i was telling you that women are you know like this comes as a social conditioning men are also social conditioned to believe since they are young that you know they are smarter they are stronger they are the breadwinners of the families they are you know the dreamers the achievers they are everything yeah so they grow up with that 
And it's very hard for you to come and change that mentality to a f- like of a 40-year-old man, let's say, who is like a C-level executive sitting in a boardroom where you, you're going to come and tell him, you know, strip away 40 years of social conditioning and come and understand that, you know, women are not inferior. Probably you're not the smartest man in the room. Uh, you know, you, you're not the, the most powerful being here. And, and that someone who might be smarter than you could actually be a woman. Yeah, you, you need know? to be humbled enough to take that too. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a lot of things. You need to teach women that they can, they can be CEOs. And you also need to educate the men of the same thing, that yeah. women can be CEOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and they can probably do a, a much better job. And like, like strip away the, the, the negative narratives. Oh, women are too emotional. Yeah, they, they, they're too emotional. Men, you know, like, they are more intellectual. But I always have this discussion with a lot of my friends uh, mm-hmm. about Jordan Peterson. I don't know how much about Jordan Peterson you follow. No. He's, like, a, considered to be one of the... Uh, like, he writes a lot of books. He's gotten famous on YouTube. He's a bit of a controversial character because, like, one of the things he says is... And by the way, he has some good content. I'm not saying uh, all of his stuff is good. A lot of it is pretty f- messed up or controversial. Mm. But he's definitely a smart guy. Anyway, what he goes on to say in one of his discussions about gender is that there is a predisposition that men have towards certain professions and women too. And, and it was never about like women clean and cook and men do smart things, right? So it's more a lot of like empathy-based jobs, like mm. being a doctor or psychiatrist or that sort of thing is better for a woman than it is for a man because of... you know genetic predispositions and stuff like that but i wonder to what extent certain jobs not necessarily like you know cooking or cleaning but like certain jobs are women are just better at them like women are more empathetic than men are some women are yeah not all women are more empathetic than all men you know no no generally speaking i'm wondering if there is some and by the way i'm not i have i'm just wondering uh, out loud whether um, first of all, is there like a? Do you think there is a there is a difference between men and women, like at, at, a, at a core level? Like, of course, there's a biological yeah. difference between men, yeah. men and women. Yeah. yeah, I think I think this is like a huge misconception when when you talk when you say someone is a like a feminist, you know? Yeah. Like, what are you saying? You know, like women are the same as men? No, I'm not saying women as are are the same as men. We're not biologically equal. But, you know, this doesn't change the fact that we should have the same rights as you do. Oh, that's, right? that goes without saying. We should have the same, uh, um, uh, like, equal opportunity as you. Uh, you know, like, these are just the most basic of things. And, and equal opportunity means anything and everything. My yeah. equal opportunity to actually even go out on the street wearing whatever I want without being harassed. This is an equal opportunity. 100%. But I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Equal opportunity should not be even a question at this point. Like you should not give men more opportunities over at the expense of women. If that's happening in any place in the world, it's obviously like backwards. Like, uh, but is, that's my question. I mean, well, I guess what you, you made a good example about if you're sitting as a woman in a board meeting, or if you're pitching an investor, I asked that question to another uh, entrepreneur, founder I had on the show. Um, and you feel like you're being ignored or you're not taken seriously because you're a woman, that's fucked up. Yeah, and it happens a lot. Yeah. It happens more than you can actually And I guess imagine. that's what I'm trying to get at here is like to what extent is like, you know, you have this venture capitalist, uh, angel investor or VC, whatever. And then you show up as a woman with your pitch deck and you're like, yeah, that's my startup, you know, and then like 
suddenly you know you have even started talking and then the investor lost interest because you look like a woman mm. that's fucked up you I know mean, I'll, I'll give that you means another example no equal opportunity right like you know hear her out you know you know I'll, I'll, i'm going to put this in very simple terms for you if 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 on this table you bring a man ceo and a woman ceo and you put them both of them here right instinctively you will not feel that the man needs to justify why he is the CEO or how he got there. But you would want to know, like, how did she get here? Yeah. Okay? It's the same with, like, African-American. problem. Yeah. And right there is the problem. Yeah. The problem is that we still call women founders women founders. Yeah. Women CEO. Women entrepreneurs. Women engineers. This is, like, this is the entire problem. Okay, but... Why do we need to emphasize that they are women? It's because they don't exist in enough numbers but, in that, uh, you know, like, environment. But, Rawan, this brings me back to what I was asking you earlier. Are you saying we should drop the fact that it's, we're, we're celebrating that there are women? Because on the one hand, you would think we should celebrate women founders because it means it helps change the system. And it highlights the fact that there are successful women out there. On the other hand, I agree with you that if you drop the woman part, it's just a successful person, and we're not emphasizing the fact that there are women. Yeah. So it seems like a two diff- like there, it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you want to try to educate the world that look, there are successful women out there. This is a woman founder, that, you know. But on the other hand, that actually creates a little bit of highlighting the minority. But we shouldn't be a minority anymore. Yeah, but what you do you know? do? You are already a minority. Like uh, uh, the truth is, we you know, for for good or bad reason, women are, in, you know. But yeah, I understand your point. But as long as we're treated as another category, we will always be another category. I agree. I and and that's the thing, you know. I agree. And and one of my posts, I say that like for you, for for us to change something, you first start with changing the narrative. Yeah. Because the words that we use, they matter way more than you think. And when you start changing the narrative, this is when you start changing the perception. This is when you start changing the actions. And eventually, this is when you start seeing real change. Yeah. So the words that we use, they are very important. Yeah, I agree. I think, for example, if you ask me right now, and I'm a guy, it doesn't matter. Let's just say I'm just a human being on LinkedIn. Mm. <laughs> and there is that entrepreneur who happens to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and she's on LinkedIn saying, I just sold my company for $100 million, mm. like everybody else who's glorifying and parading these successes on LinkedIn. Mm. And if she goes as far as saying, I am an entrepreneur who sold my company for $100 million, and she even goes as far as saying, I'm not saying I'm a woman entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur that sold. If she, if that is highlighted, mm-hmm. that sh- the fact that she dropped the, mm-hmm. the uh, I'm a woman adjective, that would be so much stronger than saying than having somebody be like, "Oh, look at this uh, uh, exit," and it happened to be a woman. You know, like that emphasis is not helping. Yeah, but you, you sold your startup for hundred million dollars. That's it. Leave it at that. People are going to notice you're a woman, and the perception is going to be changed. But don't highlight the fact that you're a woman because it's not actually helping in in, in some sense, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I think highlighting the fact that you are a woman does not always help the case yeah. because we want to be seen as equal as equally competent you know equally smart equally capable and as long as we keep referring to ourselves as a different entity yeah. of like we need to say that we are women i think that kind of like takes away from the from the overall trajectory that we're trying to achieve but then we should still celebrate women's day and stuff right like you see we have I'm, a men's day do we yes are you kidding me? Yep. 
Which what date is that? There is an international men's day. What's the actual Google date? Google it. No, but what's that? Do you know the date? I think it it's either November somewhere in November or something. Is it Halloween? Is are you saying? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's end of October. October. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you have an international men's day. That's that's crazy. I didn't realize there's uh-huh. a men's day. I guess there's a Father's Day too, which we never celebrate. In our, did you have a Father's Day in we, Lebanon? Yeah, we celebrate Father's Day. Did you ever go to your father? Be like Happy Father's yes. Day. Yes. I never did that with my father. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> And he has two birthdays, by the way. My dad doesn't even know his actual birthday. Oh. He's he's like born in 1937, so he's got like his 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 birthday on the passport and what he believes his actual birthday is. Yeah. So he believes he's an Aquarius, uh, but officially he's a Taurus. And there's this always this discussion at home between, um, and he's he's holding on to the fact that he's an Aquarius, but like everybody in the house, like you're a Taurus. You're a t- <laughs> I don't believe in horoscopes, but my sisters do. All right, so International Men's Day, Saturday, uh, sorry, no, this is Saturday, 19th of November is, mm. is Men's Day. That's yes. fascinating. See? We should have a party. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Okay, but, 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 okay, I guess, well, let me say broadly what I'm saying is we want to keep the conversation going about mm. giving equal opportunity to women. But by doing that, what we're highlighting is the, 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 the inherent disadvantage that women have. So, so, so it's kind of a, It's, it's almost like a, a double approach here. Like on the one hand, you don't want people to like become complacent. You want mm. the, 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 you want, you want to keep the momentum of progressive people standing up for women, making sure equal, equality of opportunities are happening, even though it might highlight the disadvantage. Yeah. But at the same time, what you want to have is a bunch of like really hustler, badass women killing it, um, but without highlighting that they were women. So like a, kind of a combination of those two things, I think, would be the right. Yeah. And if everybody if, if everybody buys into this kind of double approach. That would actually kind of really expedite and accelerate um, uh, the equality that we would be looking for, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's very I th- interesting. I think I think it's it's a job for both uh, sexes and gender neutral people now also as well. Right. Like you know, everyone has to come together to make this happen. Yeah. But the thing is, you're not like you rarely find men who are, who are going to come and say like, yeah, I want to take this and I want to be an advocate for women. Yeah, it, you rarely find this, and generally because most of them don't really believe that women have the same intellectual capabilities. Yeah, if that's the case, that's fucked up. But, but yeah. they do, like they do exist a lot, especially yeah. in our like. I'm I'm really talking mainly about our region. Yeah, they don't believe women were made for the workplace. Yeah, you know, and that's They're, why I initially started asking you. Like, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I need to be apologetic for interrupting you now, <laughs> since we're talking about. <laughs> And interrupting women. No, but I, I would have interrupted a man. No, it's way. okay. I'm interrupting you too. <laughs> um, uh, so that's why I initially disclaimed this discussion with our socioeconomic group. Because yeah. in those of us who studied at AUB or maybe studied abroad and now are working in startups and stuff, I personally look around me and if uh, around my, maybe my friends, perhaps they're all open, but like I, I would... I would never like even if we're sitting a bunch of bunch of even if a bunch of guys like me and my male friends are sitting around, even the implication that we would talk about a girl in a way that would be like ah oh, she's not incomp- she's incompetent or she wouldn't mm. be good enough for a job, like we, there might be other kind of locker room conversations going on around the guys about like more personal stuff, but that's mm. we can debate that whether that's even right or not. But as far as career and and, and competency and all of that is concerned, nobody. Nobody judges women as as less competent or less deserving, or you know, like not not the, at least not the people around me or even in my vicinity, right? And that's why I constantly wonder. But then I'm a guy, so I wouldn't know. So that's why I always like to ask a woman who's 
either a friend or a guest on the show if they experience that and and, and it turns out like yeah every single working woman non-working whatever you want fascinating interesting every yeah. single woman has faced some sort of this uh you know i don't even know what to call it like because yeah it's a disadvantage it's uh either being at the receiving end of a of a sort of behavior but i like a lot of my very close friends are very successful career women and uh and they work in a lot in a like uh, men's field if you want mm-hmm. and 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 they constantly on a daily basis they have to prove themselves you know yeah. they have to prove why they deserve the seat at the table yeah. when their other male counterparts don't yeah you know and, and and this is another example on their own the, the fact that you constantly have to give your 110% to constantly prove that you deserve to be here yeah it's a fucked up place to be in i mean i i, I don't know if it compares to like african americans or other minorities who are just born into a disadvantage but i guess if you're like there is white privilege there is male privilege Definitely. Um, you were you were talking about you and your friends. You know, when you get together, you don't really generally uh, talk about females. That you say, oh, they're incompetent or whatever. No, we don't do that. Yeah, I know. But you probably are doing some of the things that um, we see uh, or that come across for us as negative, right? Because you probably do it without really feeling it. Like if I know we're not in a boardroom now or anything, but. Um, I've had these discussions with a lot of my male friends as well, and and they've they, they've always had the same reaction, like, oh, you know, we we never noticed this. We they don't even know if they do it themselves. Yeah. So just talking about it, you know, the next time you're in a meeting and someone is talking, if it's a woman or or a man, or just practice it on anybody. Don't interrupt them. Try to acknowledge, you yeah. know, their ideas. Uh, acknowledge their presence. Uh, and and you know and and start implementing these changes from a personal level yeah as well yeah it does start at the individual level i i do like um i i, I love it when a when a guy calls out another guy mm. for, for for whenever a situation like that does happen like it's it's always refreshing to see this kind of heroic uh archetype or situation of like a guy uh shutting down another guy whether they know him or not he know he knows him or not for for at least showing that they are belittling the woman in the in the, in the room, mm. whether or not they even mean it. But like you know, you gotta p- spend a little bit more attention and, and effort to be conscious about it. Like this mm. is there is a, a macro direction and a movement about trying to establish equality, and you need you need to all be conscious about it. I'm all up for that. If you call this being feminist, I'm down for being a feminist. Like that's if that's what a feminist is, then I'm all up for it. I'm 100% feminist, right? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, also what happens is that you have a lot of women. Um, and even worse when they are influencers or famous. So let's take, for example, the Will Smith. I mean, we, we laughed earlier about the Will Smith example, but, I mean, it's it's only happened a few days ago, so let's talk about that. Mm. Um, Will laughed. Yeah. Uh, you saw the clip, right? Obviously. Yeah. Will laughed at um, Chris Rock's joke. Then five seconds later, I mean, and you see his wife's eyes are rolling. Mm. Then he gets up and he punches the guy or slaps the guy. Mm. 
So I just wonder what like his wife said, and then like she didn't come out. I mean, he apologized. Yeah, his wife didn't say anything. Mm. Then you have like so 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 basically, what I'm trying to say is that it's not just men. You need a lot of women to also not be trophy wives. You need them to also not be. Uh, otherwise, they they make it worse for everybody else. Like I, I feel agree. like they're 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 the culprits in this whole thing, right? I think they're not culprits. They're victims. Mm, interesting. They're victims of this social programming that we've lived you know that we grew up with that we live with our entire lives you know that you need a man to take care of you you know you need a provider uh, you will never be good at making enough money to live the kind of lifestyle that you want you need to go uh, be a sugar baby find a, su- find a sugar daddy or marry off a rich guy or do this or do that for you to kind of um, <clears throat> live the lifestyle that you really want to live Right? We don't tell the girls go study, um, you know, become, uh, come up with a, the next great idea, become a billionaire, and live the lifestyle that you want. We don't have that. We don't. Who are our role models in society for for the women who've actually done that? Yeah, I mean, but Will we, Smith, Smith, Will Smith's wife knows better than than that. I'm not talking. Yeah, yeah I'm not talking about like her yeah. specifically. I'm talking about the fact that you said trophy wives and all of this. Sure, sure, sure. I'm talking about this. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he. I think he just probably saw that his wife was upset, and uh, he reacted to that, which I completely like disagree with with his reaction. I find it very um, distasteful from. And like for Jada and for you know for for Chris Rock and for everyone and for him for for everyone and it was it was such a bad moment, um, but yeah. I got into a social media debate about it because I I kind of endorsed Will Smith and I I didn't fully endorse, I did initially fully endorse it like when I say fully I mean I wrote a message that says um, like you know you can't. His reaction was understand. So this is what I said. I said his, his reaction is understandable and acceptable. It doesn't make it the right reaction, but under the circumstances, which is that he looked at his wife, she was upset. There's some context to it. He could have said something. He, yeah. Well, I mean, look, the reaction was may have been out of line, but under the circumstances, he crosses the line with his reaction. That's not good, but it's understandable. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, it's not the right. It's not the preferred reaction, but it's also understandable. And if he apologized afterwards, I think this is like, you know, it's not great, but it's it's okay. It's not like totally out of this world fucked up. Like, I, I think so. Um, and also, I don't think it's about women. For me, this was more about protecting a family member. It could have been his brother who's sitting there who could have been perfectly, you know, I don't, I didn't see it as a man protecting a woman. I saw a man saw, seeing his family being disrespected um, in some way that, that was but offensive. They, like, comedians disrespect everyone. Yeah, but listen, I generally have this idea that family should be off limits. Like, if, God forbid, let's say you have a dead uh, brother, sister, yeah, yeah, father. Yeah, I agree. I, like, I did like, I thought Chris Rock was way out of line. Actually, it's not, I, I didn't think he was. Especially that he, she has alopecia, you know. It's not like she, she's she's doing this as a fashion statement. That's, that's right. And she's she's struggling with this. But even if you think that she is, the whole thing is not, not that sensitive because it's a very subjective perception. Um Let's just say there's a line that some people have about whether they're loved ones, dead ones, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. If somebody crosses that line, um, and maybe it's not about the individual themselves, but about their family members or their friends or their, you know, not their women's, not but their women. Everyone sorry. is a family yeah. member. 
No, I mean, if I if I, I could make fun of Will Smith's ears all day long. Or But Will Smith is Jada's husband. No, I mean, if Chris Rock made fun of Will Smith all day long, of Will Smith himself. Yeah, but he's he's a family member. He's a father. So his kids will come up and hit Chris Rock. His wife will no, go no, up and no. defend him. No, what I'm saying is Chris Rock could be making fun of Will Smith directly. Yeah, but I'm saying Will yeah. Smith is someone's family member. Okay, I see what you're saying. So somebody should stand up for Will Smith, right? No, no I hear. And then you. it's a never-ending loop. Okay, so it's not it's not the right reaction to to to, so to beat anybody up. I agree. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying is it's not right, but it's understandable. Actually, Whoopi Goldberg was uh, what's the name of the show? The View. The yeah. Four, yeah. So it was interesting to see the the View is usually very like that. I would have expected the View to have like all four women being like that was fucked up, and then mm. you have Whoopi Goldberg who's like somewhat like you know what, I kind of get it. <laughs> she's yeah. I don't know if she's African American and she understands a little bit more the family and the pride and all of that. What I'm trying to say is, it's not in, it's not as I personally think, and that's just obviously a non-popular opinion. It's not completely fucked up what he did. It's a little bit understandable. It was a slap. He got he sits back. He apologizes afterwards. You know, he 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 he, he you know he sends the message, apologizes pretty much not not to Chris Rock directly, but he makes his apology to the Oscars and whatever. And then like later on, he apologizes to Chris Rock with this mm. post. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I did. It's understandable. It's not. It's not the right reaction, but it's understandable. I think. Um, and again, non, it's a not popular opinion. It's a non-popular opinion. Um, but what I'm trying to say here is that you have his wife endorsing that reaction, and then to the extent that this is applicable to women in general and in in life. I mean, we don't really know what happened in these five seconds. Right. Like he saw her upset. Yeah. We don't see if she said anything. We don't see if she's. Like, we see you her know, rolling her eyes. Yeah, right? she's a cl- clearly upset, but we don't know if she kind of like okay, I'm upset. Like, but we does see that him laughing you, as well. Does that give you okay? If I'm upset yeah. about something, does that give you the green light to go and beat somebody up? No, but it? it's different from like you know you have these guys who are at bars like trying to jump a guy, and you have yeah. the girlfriend pushing, pu- pulling them back, and like the girlfriend's uncomfortable. That's very toxic. Yeah. Excuse me, and then you have like Will Smith and his like in his situation. It looked a little bit more endorsed by his wife, if not entirely instigated by the wife. We don't know. You're right. All we know is that he was laughing. She was rolling her eyes. Five seconds later, he's getting up. Clearly, yeah. either he had a sudden U-turn or he looks at his wife and she's like, are you going to stand up for that shit? Like, I don't know. Maybe she said something like that. I don't know. You know, nobody you know, knows. I don't think that she would honestly uh, say something like that. Uh, but, I mean, if I was her in that situation, I wouldn't have liked his reaction. No, uh, and and rightly so, right? It's, I it's wouldn't. I wouldn't be okay with what he did. I I I felt like he would have uh, kind of like disrespected me even more. Yeah. Maybe disrespected himself, ruined the night for everyone. There was, I think, a much better way to handle this. He could have like talked back to Chris, you know, without slapping him. Without <laughs> slapping him, he could have said something. He could have roasted him in his yeah. acceptance speech. You know, there, like, there's a million and one ways for you to come up and say, you know, this is not yeah. okay. I think if he yelled, um, "Get, get my, mu- get my wife's name out of your fucking mouth," without slapping him, it would have been just as maybe, toxic. <laughs> maybe no, but that would be like not considered assault, actually. Yeah, you know, fair <laughs> like, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I always struggle with this thing, Rawan. I have to say, um, as a Jordanian guy, and you mm. grew up with a lot of Lebanese, maybe you have brothers, I'm sure you had some yeah. friends. One of the things that really, uh, you know, I think about this a lot. When I was a young kid, teenager, and I come from like a tribe, you should know, from mm. Jordan, Christian, but like in Jordan, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or Muslim, if you're a tribal, you're going to grow through up to this Bedouin, even if you're an urban city, like I grew up in Amman and all that. 
but then there's a lot of this pride, ego, you know, you're in the man of the house, all that bullshit. Uh, so the patriarchy is alive and well in Jordan. Mm. And then you end up um, getting over your fears as a young boy of getting punched in the face. And you, know, you need to start fighting with, you know, to stand up for your friends and also your sisters and then your family. And then you suddenly realize I'm getting a lot of currency, social currency for throwing the punch and yeah. being a tough guy and building muscle. Of course. And then, you know, you get in all these fights and you get you become this kind of degenerate teenager. That's the classic archetype that I'm sure you've, we've all, mm. you know, you've seen a lot of them and, and I was one of them for sure. And then you go into the world at the age of 19, 20, or even you know, I went to EB and I was still that role and it worked well there too. But then mm. you go, let's say you go into the real world after university and you realize like that's not going to help you. And then suddenly you have to undo all the conditioning you've done as a guy uh, to learn that like, you know, you're not going to just fight your way through shit. You can probably you know, punch anybody any day. It's just, it's not, it's not, you're not, sex, you're not 16 anymore, but you spend like five, 10 years undoing the fact that this is, this is how you, you know, this is how girls like you and this is how yeah. you get the respective guys and, you know, this is how you deal with shit. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a fucked up place to, to, to be in our, the societies that we grow up in um, because then you grow up, you, you, you dive into the global society of, of that the world is and you have to undo all these kind of, uh, you know, skills that you had to develop and suddenly you have to take a full U-turn and become a civilized human being. Mm. It's not easy. No, it's not. Definitely not. On so many different levels. And we, we kind of have that same journey, but it's a different, it's a different type of journey yeah. that you grow up with something and then suddenly you have to unlearn it and then you have to become this other person. And it's like uh, an entire cycle of creation and recreating, like creating and recreating yourself. And... Uh, on some point it becomes, okay, like how far do I want to take this, right? Because then you're shedding most of the identity that you know of, uh, that you grew up with, and it takes a lot of uh, introspection and a lot of work to accept the fact that you're no longer this person and the person that you want to be or become or are becoming is a completely different person from um, anything that you associated with as you were growing up. Yeah, 100%. I was having a chat with this uh, friend of mine uh, who's an ex-McKinsey. I used to be in consulting as well. Um, he's, an, he's, he's an executive coach today. His name is Bshara. Shout mm-hmm. out to Bshara. Um, we spoke about... Uh, we were talking about listening and, and being confrontational and all that stuff. And I had an opinion that I still until now hold on to. And I'm curious to know what you feel about it. Which is that it's important... Uh, and I'm quoting Jordan Peterson mm. here to learn to be a beast and then learn how to control it. Like I, th- I stand by that uh, principle, which is that people should be able and capable and have the courage to be beasts and then learn how to control it, mm. as opposed to potentially being fearful, non-confrontational, potentially pushovers because the life is a life is a bit of a jungle. So I'm curious to know where you stand about it. Like, do you think it's, the, if you're going to raise a kid one day, or if if you, like, what's your opinion on how people should be brought up? Should they learn to be confrontational, attack, even maybe get physically confrontational or, or non-physically confrontational in a way that might seem toxic if they have to, and then learn to become civilized? Or should they be, like, should, should you tell your, if your kid ever gets beaten up at school, do they go tell the teacher or do they fight back? I think this is the best way for me that, 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 illustrates that example? I think it's a combination. I think the first time they go down to the teacher, 
The second time, they beat her mom. <laughs> they beat the other kid up. Interesting. So if you, yeah. boy, you have a boy, 14-year-old boy, comes back, says he's punched, he's crying. Mm. Your first message to him would be like, why did you go tell the teacher? Yeah. You wouldn't be like, why didn't you punch him back? No. Interesting. No. Okay. I, th- I think everything in this world is the gray area. Oh, okay. So everything. Yeah. Okay. Everything is a combination of the, of the different elements that make up the black or white. And I think we don't have enough people living in the gray area, and that's why we have so many different problems in the society. But what message does it send if you think if your boy goes to tell the teacher, ah, oh, somebody's pushing me around, and the teacher goes and talks to the bully? Accountability. No, but I mean, like, what does it actually tell the message between the boys? If like, the... there is accountability. If you punch me, I'm going to, like you, there is accountability for your actions. I understand. But, but yeah. if, if no one's going to do anything about it, I'm going to take matters into my own hand to a certain but like, do you actually believe this is going to... Like, I mean, uh, sure, the teacher might yell at the other kid, maybe put him in detention. Yeah. But what's going to happen to the boy like a week later? Uh, well, what? like You went and told the teacher, you little pussy, let me come and beat you up again. Okay, man. then I, I, like, I'll tell him to go beat him up. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you know, like, but, but, but yeah, I do believe that there should be like, no, the first reaction should not be like, yeah, I know, so if someone punches you, punches them right back. Yeah, okay. I, I think like, but, yeah. yeah I mean, that's how I would raise my, yeah, no, my children. I'm just curious to know what you you know? Ha- your opinion on it. But yeah, uh, I think the first step for me yeah. would be, um, you know, do something proactive about it. Uh, yeah. Because like, and then if that doesn't work, um, you can try, Yeah. you know, you can try punching him yourself. It's an interesting contentious topic because it illustrates much bigger examples and, and, and kind of principles in life. But I, f- I genuinely feel like a uh, man or woman... You need to learn to stand up for yourself. It's scary. Of course. Having four people like stomp at you one day or whatever it might be, the the situation you're in. By the way, women also get beaten the shit out of like physically. Um, There's something about like breaking that barrier of fear, punching back, getting your ass kicked and showing that you're not going to sit down and go and seek help. And and and, and even if he's getting beaten up, I find that this sculpts a skill that even goes far much longer in life. Like if you're going to be in a job one day, maybe your colleague's out to get you at the expense of uh, your promotion, he or she wanted to get promoted. You know, a lot of situations in life manifest themselves in a very similar way to the high school mm. uh, playground. Mm. And I kind of feel like whether you're a boy or a girl, uh, you need to learn to be confrontational. But that's, again, my non-popular personal opinion. Um, mm. Learn to fight back, learn to punch back, get used to getting be- beaten up, learn to break that barrier of fear because it's kind of, we're naturally also scared of people if, if we don't have enough backing up. Um, but then learn how to control it afterwards and become empathetic and civilized. You know, that's my personal opinion. But why, why for you telling someone what happened is not being confrontational? Because it's not. Because why? to go to the teacher is much easier or less uh, confrontational than to punch back or to sit there and be like, I'm going to take matters in my own hand. Like, I used to be that kid at one point. I got mm-hmm. into fights. I had choices. Do I fight back or do I go tell the teacher? The, the whole tell the teacher situation would be much easier, much, much... Uh, like, I go tell the teacher. She's going to go tell this kid, you know, she's going to, whatever, put the kid in detention, maybe yell at him. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's going to solve the problem. It's going to patch up the problem. But, like, if I'm going to be... If me and this kid see each other at some point in a school party mm. outside the school uh, environment, I'm yeah. going to get my ass kicked even further, even much more. Also, never mind the humiliation. Like, I had to go and tell the teacher. Like, in, in a very kind of traditional chi- kids in a high school environment. Mm-hmm. I see your point. It's, and, and by the way, I would go back to my house and my older sister, my eldest sister would, would, and she's like a bit of a tomboy at the family, right? She's like a brother more than a sister. I was like 13, 12, like mm. really a kid, not even a teenager. 
she would encourage me to fight back and, mm. and, and get my ass kicked if I have to. But then it turns out like it helped. I mean, sure, I did end up being, you know, tilting over into uh, degenerate teenager kind of toxic masculinity territory for a while and then having to learn to undo it. For but, you know, not many people undo it. And this is yeah, like, and that's a, this that's is a, the that's slippery a risk. slope. Yeah, you're right. This is a very slippery slope. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't really know how I would react, but I I think I would find the, the middle ground. I think I would equip my kids with enough skills to fight back if they really need to, but, you know, also teach them that maybe that's not the best way to, like the, the first reaction for you, you know, to... Mm. To, to be also as aggressive or as violent or unless you really need to. So follow like, the system that gets you your, again, you're right. And then if it doesn't work, then take matters in your own hand. But first follow the system that is legitimate and maybe, civilized. Fair maybe, enough, no, no. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really know, Yana, but yeah. I know going the most with who I am as a person, that would be the, like, that would be Fair enough. What, what, what I would, uh, probably tell my children to do but i'm not sure maybe if i'm i see my kid crying i would go slap the other child yeah. myself you know like i don't know how how would how i would really react like this is all hypothetical for it me, is it's, it's an off-the-cuff question we don't have kids we don't know how we would yeah. actually raise them but it's just it, it, for me it's it, it it's it's always like i think about situations uh hypothetically because i feel like they reflect on on much more than than the actual situation that yeah. we're hypothetically discussing yeah volunteering uh you've done quite a lot of it Mm. Uh, UNHCR. Mm. No, that was just a paid one job. of the. Oh, that was a paid job. But yeah. well, you've done other volunteering work that was not paid. Yeah, um, in the NGO, like in my mom's NGO, borderless NGO. Yeah, that's your mom's NGO. Yes. Oh, shout out, shout out to your mom. Yeah, <laughs> shout uh, out to my mom. <laughs> hope she's watching. <laughs> so let me ask you a question about that. I mean, maybe now, well, perhaps we. I don't know to what extent the fact that your mom, this is your mom's NGO or not, but I have always wondered why do people, including myself, not have the imperative to work in volunteering um, when we have the capacity to do so. Enough money, enough time. A lot of people have enough money, enough time. They don't do enough volunteering work. I'm one of those people. You worked in volunteering. Um, what is it that made you decide, I'm going to take time of my life to work without... I mean, the, 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 the upside is obvious. You help people and that feels great. Yet people don't do enough of it. I, I'm one mm. of them. Mm. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, but there are also a lot of people who do a lot of it, you know. Um, I, I don't know why you've never tried it yourself, but I, I tend to find that uh, people are selfish, you know. We're selfish with our time. I am. I mean. We're selfish with uh, with everything. And, and we live in such a, like, um, uh, hustler society that, you know, what is this getting me, you know? If, if I don't see enough... Uh, merit maybe i don't want to do that thing maybe on saturday i actually just want to sleep in because i'm tired i don't want to go teach english to refugee kids perhaps you know um uh, but but the moment you start doing it you want to do it more and and i feel like the uh, the the younger you are exposed to this kind of uh, work and volunteering the more you end up doing it uh, when you grow older so i did quite a lot of it when i was in high school because uh, it was part of our the compulsory um, caste system um, yeah. so you know helping a lot of mentally challenged or blind kids and that mm. that stuff it felt great to help people and i still think every time i get the chance to do some of it it does feel great mm. but i also wonder about myself and also others around me who are far more financially 
uh, free and mm-hmm. uh, have much more capacity than I do, you would think that helping people would feel much more gratifying than it does because if it does, if it is as gratifying as it should feel, much more people would be doing it. I know there are a lot of people who are doing it. Are you talking about donating money? No, or no, no, are no. You, no. Are, like Actually, going and seeing the... Ch- like Both, but like maybe I, I don't want to emphasize on the donating money part because that's easy and people do that. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about people who have the... Cap- people who are depressed, people who are bored, people who don't know what to do with, their, with themselves because they've done it all. They've started companies, they made money, they've, you know, they've had the hedonistic life, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then you look at them and they're like bored. Maybe they are even like fucking getting high off drugs. Some of them are killing themselves. But you have the capacity to help people. Like, you mm. know, think about everybody that kills themselves because they're depressed and bored. Mm. But they had money and they had time. And like they could have just truthfully just went and helped people. You, you would think it would be the the pinnacle of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where, you know, self-actualization or just helping people would be like. Actually, sometimes volunteering makes you more depressed. But is that what you think is happening with those people who are not? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying yeah. like, you know, seeing the struggles of other people does not always leave you with a good impact. You know, like being exposed to the injustice okay. of this world, being exposed to the harshness that other people have to go through, uh, the, their life circumstances, their life stories, you know, it it. It leaves you with a huge impact, mm. and it's not always good. Yeah. It's not always good, but so, some moments, you know, my mom does it because she loves it. She loves seeing the the. She loves the fact that she is changing the lives of so many kids, and she sees it every single day. You know, this is keeps what her keeps going. her going. Right. Yeah. Um, I I I volunteer with her whenever I had. Well, that was before whenever I had the time, but um. I I don't have the same passion for it that she does, you know, and and because we're we're just again different people. Different Wait, things make you, though. yeah. Different things make make you take, make you want to do more, make you so. I mean, you've done some of it. I, I don't know. So my point is, like, I I look up to people who have done even a little bit of it because most people live, as you said, hustling, changing jobs, getting promoted, starting companies, um, and then you go. You know, we all know that there are volunteering opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people to help. And if you talk to anyone, including myself, like like you you don't know what to do with your time. Like you're you're bored. Like you're kind of like you go help people. Like it's such an obvious thing. And then a lot of people are like you know what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But maybe like they kick the can on it. And I'm I'm one of those yeah. people. I'm almost like a, there's a bit of therapy here. I guess I don't know. But like I'm I'm looking for inspiration also for others who are listening who are who know that volunteering exists and they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to find the secret recipe. The secret trigger that would get people like myself and others who have the capacity to get off their asses and do some volunteering work it feels gratifying we've done it we know it does it is gratifying and i just have you done it in your adult life not in an active manner no and 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 i guess is it that's why you you don't know how it really feels okay good good point so you're saying it's one of those things where i should give it a shot and then interesting yeah because thinking about your high school experience, you were a different person then. You were just doing it to fill in the hours so you graduate. You know, it was like, you know, doing community service in high school is completely different than uh, the kind of volunteering that you would do as an adult in terms of what you bring to the table, in terms point. of what you will get out of it. The entire thing dif- is is different. Yeah. It almost makes me feel the entrepreneur in me, not necessarily the entrepreneur who wants to make money, but the entrepreneur who wants to do something cool 
to create an ex- like a try it out initiative. Yeah. Not not like a full on initiative, just like a try it out initiative. Yeah. And like hopefully like 10 20% of those people who are trying it out end up being like I like it. I want to do more. Yeah, yeah. Like this is what happens. Yeah. This is this is mainly what happens. It's addictive or contagious, I guess in yeah. that sense. Pretty cool. Uh And uh, I guess on a final note, I wanted to ask you about some about dogs. You said you like dogs. I love dogs. And you have one back in Beirut. Yes. So tell she's me more about your dog. She's with my parents now. Okay. Um, she's she's adopted. Actually, her name is Corona. <laughs> Funnily enough, you adopted in Corona. Uh, no, you were I've having had Corona her, beer. Well, yeah, you know. I named her after the beer. Really? Yes, because wow. we have something in the family. Like we name our dogs uh, like um, based on alcohol names. So my aunt, she has Bailey's and Sake. Uh, oh. We have Corona. My cousin had a, go- a dog named Kalua, but he died. So we kind of like, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, we have a trend. Um, uh, she's uh, she's adopted from Beta. It's an NGO in Lebanon. Uh, I've had her for 11 years now. Very cool. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, yeah. See, she seems like an old dog. 11 yeah. years. What's the breed? She's mixed. Okay. Yeah. You met Vito today, so yes. he's uh, he's a handful, but he's I, I get it when people say like dogs can be a good replacement for kids in many ways, mm-hmm. or or can fill that place. Um, uh, it's a it's it's a unique experience. I think I almost wish one of the things I I would like everybody who doesn't have a pet or specifically a dog because I, th- I don't think all pets are equal, but that's just my bias. Yeah. Uh, should have a dog. Like people should adopt, go out there, get a dog, uh, go through the sh- poop picking and the <laughs> pillow biting and Look, all that. I, I think it's, it's two things. A person that does not have a pet will never understand a person who has a pet talking about their pets. Even if they go over and visit. Yeah. yeah. They can never understand this relationship until they get one. Yeah. And I've I recently experienced this with one of my best friends. She lives here. Um, she has the, oh, the dog that I take photos with. Um, Richie. Oh, okay. Richie the Poodle. Yeah, Richie <laughs> is my best friend's dog. Uh, and and um, she never really got, you know, this why I love my dog so much and the way I talk about her and all of these things until she got Richie and now she completely understands this. So I find it really hard to make people understand, like people who don't have pets understand this kind of relation that you uh, grow and uh, nurture with a being that is not human, you know, like yeah. someone you... You can't even, you don't even communicate That's in right. a language with. Um, but the other thing is, I think people don't understand how much a responsibility a dog is, especially a dog. I'm not talking about a cat or birds. Like all pets are huge responsibilities and there are lives, you know, yeah. that we should really take care of. But dogs specifically, they are a lot of work and a huge responsibility. And if you're not ready for that, uh, Yeah. Don't like don't take it on. Don't yeah. buy a dog and then just throw leave him at home alone. Uh, don't give him enough him or her enough attention. Yeah. Uh, end up putting them in um, shelter. Uh, shelter. Uh, dogs get depressed. They have. They're so domesticated. They're so human like. They're they're they're, they're amazing, incredible. And you're right. So on the one hand, I would love for any person feeling lonely, fear, feeling like they don't have a purpose to have a dog or a pet, mm. or specifically a dog, because it really helps fill that void in many ways. You yes, know? definitely. But yeah, don't do it if you're not going to actually have... Like, I, I unfortunately had a dog who was a shelter dog, mm. raised her from eight weeks old until she was a year and a half old, and then I had to leave the country. 
Um, well, initially I had to travel back and forth. Unfortunately, I had this amazing pet sitter. Her name is Bianca. Shout out to Bianca, mm-hmm. who uh, who today is still uh, raising Stella. Uh, she's six years old. Stella. Yeah. <laughs> See, Stella. Yeah. She was actually named after the beer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it could be life changing having a dog, uh, especially if you invest the time to train them and you, yeah. you can actually talk to them. Like Vito now is, is, is an icon. He's like, a, our life revolves around him, yes. uh, truly. And, and it's okay. You know, we don't mind the inconvenience, but like you can, I can talk to Vito. I can tell him like, go get this toy. He gets the toy. It's like, no, no, not this toy. Go get the other toy. He understands. He has, he knows that there's different toys, you know. And Do you know a bunny on Instagram? Oh, is he the, the, the border, border collie? He knows a thousand, thousand different toys. The, the dog that, Talks with the buttons. Oh no! What about Bunny? I think I've seen a snippet of that one. Okay, yeah. you should follow. What about Bunny? Okay, what's the, what's the breed? Um, I I don't know actually, but your entire mind will be blown, and when you realize like the depth of the thinking and communication that dogs yeah. can actually um, do. It's like I I watch her videos and I'm like always in shock every time she uploads a, a new video I like I can't believe like a no, awesome. dog would go there in in their mind and their thinking and not only that like she's able to communicate that now in English not like not oh, what only language was the original language no I mean she thinks in dog oh, language oh yeah yeah but so like English she, yeah, I thought she, maybe she understands like no. there are some dogs who get like different no no yeah <laughs> but the buttons are English oh of course of course so of course, she, yeah. she she spells out sentences now that's she, fascinating that, it's really amazing awesome um, Rawan uh, final words of wisdom because I think you've you've posted quite a few things on your LinkedIn and it's hard to summarize them all if you have to choose like three different things you want to leave the listeners with, I don't mm. know if it's about the women stuff or if it's about a uh, career, what would you leave your listeners with? Um, I think two main things, actually. Uh, be the person you want to be, regardless of anyone tells you to or society, what society expects you to be. Um, find that thing that makes you want to live and, and do that regardless and the other thing would be live and let live yeah you know be who you want to be live how you want to live and let others live the way they want to live and do what they want to do and i think like if everyone does that we would have a much better functioning society <laughs> words of wisdom from Rowan Khayat, everyone <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much you should show up on more podcasts by the way you're a natural thank you and uh, you've definitely made me uh, realize how happy i am to have the podcast you, you know having a guest like you really appreciate you coming on the show Thank and you for, for your insights me. and hope to have you again soon <laughs> that's a wrap 